our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Would you guys pray with me? God and Father, as we approach you one last time in this series, as we seek you saying, would you teach us to pray like Jesus did? We ask that it would be nothing less than your word transforming our souls, that your Holy Spirit would take every last word and bring them to life. God, I pray that you would get me out of the way. Lord, what people need most is a word from you, Father. And I know if anything beautiful, redeeming, or life-giving is gonna happen, it's gonna be by your power, not mine. So I just declare my dependence on you and ask you to move in our hearts right now. It is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. <clears throat> Can you guys do this with me? Can we welcome everybody online and say, hey, we love you, we see you. We're glad you guys are here. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Matt. I'm one of the teachers here. I get the privilege of leading our time in God's word. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter six once again, one last time today. I would love it if you grabbed a Bible or a phone and met me in there. You can make sure I'm not making this stuff up. And as you're doing that and getting everything ready, I will tell you, if you are a highlighter, a note taker, or an underliner, you are my people. And you guys, here's the coolest thing about living when we live. Taking your phone out, Taking a picture of the screen, if you see something helpful that you want to take with you, is an acceptable form of note-taking in Jesus' name, okay? So while you're doing all that stuff, I've been, I got a couple of things in me. I've just been dying to share with you guys, and I just wanted to take an opportunity this new year to say a couple things. The first is this. I just wanted to say on behalf of my family and I, thank you. If you know our story a little bit, you know about six months ago, we made this big scary move to leave a pretty good life in California and come here in large part to stay in step with what God was doing in our lives and to be back here and closer to family. And God has just proved himself faithful and blessed us in these incredible ways. But the unexpected blessing that I did not see coming was the way he was gonna plant us here in a church family that has been so loving, welcoming, and encouraging. And so from my family to you guys, thank you for the love, the way you've welcomed us here, man, from the bottom of our hearts. It means so much to us. The, uh, oh yeah, I, I hope you're clapping for yourselves because seriously, man, oh, when my kids go into the kids' ministries here where you guys serve or the student ministries here where you guys serve, they come back just fired up about who Jesus is and what he has for them. And, and your love and hospitality is not lost on us. So thank you. The Second thing I wanted to share as we get going is this. You kind of know my story. I have this interesting seat here at Northside because I do get the privilege from coming up here and leading our time in Bible study together from time to time. But 
when I'm not doing that, this is simply my home church. This is my family's home church. This is where we sit and worship week after week. This is where we give. This is where our kids are involved in ministries. And so this is home. And so I see what happens here from, from two different vantage points as somebody who calls this church their home and then somebody who sees, so to speak, like behind the curtain. And I just wanted to report back to you guys what I've seen. I want to tell you what I've seen. I have seen that this church has been and is in such good hands. And, and here's what I mean. It is one thing to start the year off with a series on prayer and to be praying together. It is a whole other thing to be doing so in a church where there is a group of elders leading the way, praying for that church and its people and God's direction on a daily basis. That is a whole other thing, you guys. It is one thing to have folks go, oh, I love that church. Yeah, that's my church. It is a whole other thing to have hundreds on hundreds of volunteers come pouring in to serve in freezing temperatures and school canceling snow. And you guys, the staff at this church, I've been around some staff teams and I've served on a bunch of staff teams. I want to tell you the folks on this church staff are some of the most brilliant, faithful, hardworking people I've ever seen on a church staff. Can we give it up for them, by the way? Seriously. I mean that. And I, I tell you that to tell you this. I'm excited about this year that we have ahead of us. And I believe wholeheartedly if we join arms and go running after God together, we are going to watch him do powerful, transformative, amazing things in our midst. And if you want a quick or easy way to jump into what God's doing here, if you're like, I want to engage, I want to share two quick ways that you can do that. The first is simply this. Those prayer stations are going to be up and running the 21st through 27th of this month, 8 a.m., to 8 p.m. And if you don't know about that yet, around campus here, there's gonna be stations set up where you can go and do these different parts of prayer that we've been learning over the last few weeks. And you can make those prayers your own. You can grab some friends. You can come by yourself if you need some peace and quiet. You can come with your life group. But I wanna challenge you to do that and bring this vision to life. Secondly, as you've heard, we're launching life groups and our Galatians study starts next week. Now, I just wanna challenge you, Grab a book, grab a group, and get ready for God to change your life, okay? If you've been on the fence or you're like, I'm not sure, I'm telling you, you won't regret it. Yeah, just try it for the Galatian study, those six weeks that we're doing together. And if you're a 20-something, can I tell you something? I've been doing this for about 20 years. Let me give you my best piece of advice when it comes to life groups. Join a group with people older than you, okay? Now listen, here's why. Yeah, they're wise and they got a little more life experience and that'll be help you, helpful. But can I tell you something? They've got way better snacks at their group than you do at the 20-year-old group, okay? Their couches are all comfortable. You don't have to sit on some duct tape to be in a group and everything. I'm telling you, that is where it's at. Uh, I can't give you any better advice than that. And we're going to get into this thing. We are in the series, The Lord's Prayer. We've been following Jesus' model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Week 1, Jacob came and kicked us off. And he says, we don't want prayer to simply be a New Year's resolution here. We want prayer to be a part 
part of our lives. And he taught us that powerful prayers begin when we go before God, laying down our little kingdoms and picking up the eternal kingdom of God, laying down our names and lifting up the name of our savior, Jesus Christ. Last week, Matt Reagan came in, who was in fact my youth pastor when I was a degenerate 17-year-old. Praise God for that guy. He came and he taught us that powerful prayers happen when we seek God's will. That prayer, your will be done. And I loved what he shared. He said, when we pray God's will to happen, we're really just praying for his heart to reign over the parts and pieces of our lives. Today, we're going to keep following Jesus in this prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to watch him move from those things to our need to seek God's forgiveness and to share that forgiveness in the world around us. We're going to lean mostly into the forgiving others side of things in that because in Galatians, we're going to do a lot of work with God's forgiveness of us. We want to talk about today how it is we forgive others when forgiving feels impossible. I want to jump back into our scripture. I'm going to take it from the top. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and it says this. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And he goes on. These are our words for today. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, to do some of the heavy lifting in the Bible study right from the jump here, uh, I read a bunch of commentaries. I go to pastors and thinkers that I like when I'm working through this stuff to try and understand it. And all of them point out these are the only lines in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus turns around and expounds upon what he is challenging us to pray. Watch what we get when I read chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. Here's our line. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, some scholars sit on this and they get very serious. They sit in that tension and they go, Jesus means it. And they have good reason to think like that. And they take this as one of Jesus's most stern warnings in the entirety of his teachings. Other scholars look at these words and they go, you know what? I think what he's saying is if you are unwilling to forgive others, chances are you have not really tasted God's great forgiveness of you. Both have great reasons for thinking those things. What they all agree on is forgiveness is a big deal to God. If I could sum it up for you, I would put it in one tiny little sentence and I would simply say this, forgiven people forgive people. As a group of believers, as Jesus followers, as people who have built our lives on the reality that God forgave us when we didn't deserve it, he has lavished his love on us, cleansed us of our sin. We are then called to share that forgiveness in the world around us. David Guzik of EnduringWord.org says it like this, forgiveness has two different dimensions. Forgiveness has a vertical dimension when we are forgiven by God, but forgiveness is meant to have a horizontal dimension 
where we then take that forgiveness and share it with the people who have wounded us, hurt us, and wronged us. Now, I know we're diving in pretty quickly here. This is heavy subject matter and deep Bible study. I've got one more for you. It is, in fact, pretty dense. So lend me your ears. Lean in just a little bit and try not to glaze over. I can say it like this, okay? Focus here. Forgiveness is like a good smoked brisket. (laughs) That thing is meant to be shared. Come on, I barbecue, and I know, I know this for certain. When you finish a good 20-hour smoke, and you know you nailed this thing, and you've been babying that brisket through the night, and you bring it in on a cutting board, and you open up that foil or butcher paper if you're a man, and you see that juice rolling off of that thing, you slice it up, what? You got to share that thing. A good brisket is meant to be shared. Got to tell you something? You sit down to a whole brisket by yourself, you've got some problems. (laughs) And so it is with forgiveness. If you feast on God's generous love and forgiveness of yourself, but are unwilling to share it with others, you're gonna have problems. Let's talk about unforgiveness for a minute. Medical research doctor Karen Swartz of Johns Hopkins Hospital points out that unforgiveness is actually bad for our physical health. She writes, unforgiveness results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, among other conditions. Dr. Stephen Stafford, chief surgeon at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, recently motioned to have unforgiveness added to the list of formal diseases medically. He actually has a book you can find on Amazon right now called Unforgiveness, the Undiagnosed Disease. Emotionally, unforgiveness can cause feelings of torment. It can destroy relationships, create anxiety. It can freeze us in a state of bitterness. It causes sleeplessness and and can cause ideation of vengeance. It can lock our minds into rehearsing arguments over and over and over again. And guys, most importantly, unforgiveness will destroy your faith. Not not it might destroy your faith, it will. Jesus repeats his stern warning in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. The brutal translation of this passage is don't expect your prayers to be answered when you're harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. On top of that, I can just tell you from having done this 20 some odd years, now can I just tell you about our God? Can I, can I tell you something? Our God is madly in love with you. Scripture say he delights in you when he thinks about you. Scripture says that he holds you in high esteem because he made you in his own image. And he's got dreams for you. He's got dreams for you that are bigger than your dreams for yourself. He's got plans for you that are better than your plans for yourself. 
He's got a purpose for your life that he handcrafted you to fulfill. And I can simply tell you, you will never step into those dreams, those purposes, and those plans when you have unforgiveness sitting in your heart. So what I want to focus on today is this idea of how do we forgive when forgiving seems impossible. See, if you've been wronged, I think you know pretty intuitively who you should forgive. I think you need know what you should forgive them of. I think now you probably even understand why you should forgive. The hard question when it comes to forgiveness is how? How do you forgive the business partner that took so much from you? How do you forgive the ex who did so much to hurt you? How do you forgive the parent that was never there, the coworker who sabotaged you? How do you forgive the person you thought you could count on that wasn't there for you when you needed them? How do you forgive people who have hurt your loved ones? Or even the abuser who has crossed lines that should have never been crossed. Let's talk about how we forgive. First idea is simply this, forgiven people forgive people on the foundation of God's justice. If you're a note taker in your notes on the side of your Bible or wherever you're taking notes right now, I would love for you to just write that little reference, Romans 12, 19. That's a book of the Bible and a chapter and a verse. Romans 12, 19 is simply these words, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, and this is God's promise, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Now hold on to that for a second, and that's gonna help us in just a minute. I'm gonna get really, really functional, and I wanna talk about the actual process of forgiving on the foundation of God's justice. How do we do this, okay? Number one, we're gonna name what happened and who did it. You identify the person or people who hurt you and what they did. Here you're recalling who mistreated you, who left you, who hurt you, what did they do to you? This can be hard to do sometimes. It can even be hard to admit sometimes. So we wanna lean into God, ask for his courage, and then we want to, we want to name what happened and who did it. After that, we want to determine what we are owed. You determine what you were owed. When we've been hurt, offended, something's usually taken from us. When we're offended, it costs us something. On the back end of every hurt and wound is the fact that something was taken. That's why when Jesus talks about forgiveness, he always tells stories and parables about debts being canceled. You want to be as specific as you can right here. If it's a business partner, what money did they cost you? If a dad walked out on you when you were young, what did he take from you? If a spouse had an affair, what did he or she take from you? If somebody spread a rumor, what did that rumor cost you? Be specific. And it's important to be specific. A lot of people skip this step. But here's the problem. General forgiveness does not forgive specific hurt. When we skip this step, we kind of just forgive generally. And here's the problem with forgiving generally. When we do that, we leave behind seeds of bitterness and pain, and those seeds always grow back. So we want to be specific as possible, and we want to identify what's happening. We want to name it. And then number three, here's forgiveness. You decide to cancel the debt. Forgiving is simply deciding to cancel the debt. This could be something you do quietly. This is, I've seen people write things down and then burn it in a fire or whatever it is. This is simple, but I don't want to say that this is easy. 
And I want to be careful here. Deciding to cancel the debt is not condoning what they did to you. Deciding to cancel the debt is not saying I'm going to welcome this person back into my life. Chances are you probably need some healthy boundaries if you're forgiving somebody. This is a decision. To be even more specific, it's not a feeling. I may be mad, sad, or hurt when I do this, but I'm going to set myself free by canceling the debt and deciding that I'm not owed anything from the person who hurt me. And finally, here's what I do. I trust it all to God's justice. What were the two things that God promised in our Romans passage? He said, I will avenge and I will repay. Now, if you're like me and you had to Google search what avenge actually means because you were preaching this weekend and you wanted to know, so you actually sounded like you knew what you were talking about, you would quickly learn that when somebody avenges you, they get revenge on your behalf. Did you catch that? Your God has promised you he will avenge you, which means you don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to replay it over and over and over in your head because your God's on the case. This is a promise, and he promises you what happened to you is not lost on him. What is the other thing he promised? He'll repay. That means there is nothing that God has for you that somebody can actually take from you. And when I forgive and I work those steps, I lean in to my faith, and I trust that my God's got me. I forgive on the foundation of God's justice. How do we forgive? Forgiven people forgive people one shovel full at a time. There was this time Jesus was talking with his disciples in Matthew chapter 18, and they're discussing this idea of forgiveness. It says, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, Peter comes to Jesus with this question, and it's a really good question because in that time, most Bible teachers were teaching that you just forgive somebody three times and then you move on. And Peter knows that in the Jewish culture, the number seven is this number of completion and wholeness. And he goes, Jesus, what if we forgive people seven times? And then Jesus says, man, you're close, but listen to me. What we really wanna do is forgive people 70 times, seven times. Now, math people in the room, you're way ahead of me and and you didn't have to use your calculator for this, but I did. And I learned quickly that 70 times seven is 490. Now, Jesus is not saying, run along, Peter, just forgive 490 times. You know, like, just take a Tuesday morning, rattle it off, get your coffee. I forgive him, I forgive him, I forgive him, I forgive him. 490, and you just roll. <laughs> He's saying, we forgive others as many times as necessary to set our hearts free. There was a time in my life When my friend, hero, and mentor, Dr. J.K. Jones, was mentoring me, we were on this phone call, and I was working through some wounds. And he explained this passage to me in a way that transformed me and set me free, and I want to share with you what he shared with me. I was walking the neighborhood, we were having a phone call, I had the AirPods in, and I was making a scene in front of the neighbors that day because I was unpacking these wounds, and as I did, my voice was growing louder and I was growing more upset, and I was like, they've hurt me. 
It's not just this one part of my life that was affected, but it's all these lives. And I've done, I forgive you. I've worked the steps, but it keeps crawling back into my life. How do I get rid of this? And very calmly, he simply said, Matt, you know the passage where Jesus calls us to forgive 70 times, seven times? He said, yeah. He said, Matt, that means forgiveness happens with a shovel, not a dump truck. See, so often the media we consume, the shows we watch, and the movies or whatever it is, they teach us that forgiveness happens with a dump truck. Dump truck forgiveness is this imaginary idea where there's this watershed moment and somebody comes to you with tears in their eyes and they're like, I'm so sorry. And then the music plays and you look down at the ground and with tears in your eyes, you look back and you go, I forgive you. And then it's all settled and done right there. That's dump truck forgiveness. And dump truck forgiveness is a load of crap. Okay, there's somebody, somebody's getting it. Jesus' forgiveness happens with the shovel. One scoop at a time. Because often I forgive, I shovel out some forgiveness. But then randomly that pain, it comes trying to creep back into my life. And when it does, I go for another shovel. In the real world, you find yourself washing some dishes and you're scrubbing a pan and then the thought crosses your mind and you think about the wound all over again. And before you know it, you're scrubbing a hole in the middle of that cast iron pan and you're feeling those feelings again. And when you do, what you do is put down that pan that you pick up the shovel and you scoop out another shovel full of forgiveness. That's 70 times seven. And I keep my shovel handy. And I keep forgiving until my heart is free. Can I tell you the brilliance of Jesus? Neuroscientists are finding out nowadays that the more I forgive, the more forgiving I become. Which means as I forgive one shovel at a time, my heart is being transformed into what God made me to be. Can I tell you another reason we should do this is when I have pain in my life and wounds and hurts, what's down there inside of me? There's bitterness, there's hurt, there's rage, there's all this nasty stuff that wants to kill my soul. When I keep shoveling out forgiveness, I'm keeping my soul clean and healthy before God. Happens one shovel full at a time. So we've talked about how we forgive. And we've talked about it theologically. We've talked about it practically. But what about emotionally? What about the question, how do I forgive them? As in, how do I forgive them when they took the 20 best years of my life? How do I forgive them when what they did has left me struggling to feed my family? How do I forgive them when I was supposed to be there at this place in my life, but now I'm just stuck here because of what they did? How do I forgive the racist comments they made and got away with? How do I forgive them when they hurt my child? And here's one, stick with me. 
how do I forgive myself? Can I tell you something? For that kind of forgiveness, there is no earthly answer or motivation. For some types of forgiveness, the answer can only be found in heaven. At the feet of our Savior, who saw us in our sin and met us with the greatest act of love and forgiveness the world has ever seen. It's Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. I want to read this. And yeah, write it down, but my heart, my hope is that as I read these words, you would allow the power of this truth to clean your heart and set you free. I want you to imagine your Savior, Jesus, who knows you, who loves you, and when, was there when they hurt you. I want you to picture him saying these words to you. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiven people forgive people the way that God first forgave us. See, my forgiveness of others will never go farther than my understanding of how God first forgave me. How do you forgive when forgiving feels impossible? We draw strength from heaven. I picture my Savior on the cross. Dying an agonizing death. I remember that it was my sin, my failure, and my malice that put him there. And he chose to go to that cross for one reason. So I could be forgiven. That's the only place I can go for the strength I need to forgive. So guys, the only thing left for us to do is to practice it. So one last time, in just a moment, I want to invite you to get out this kneeler and to kneel with me and pray. Now listen, I get it. Forgiveness happens with a shovel over time, but there comes a time when you have to take that first scoop. 
And I want to invite you to do that today. And I believe in our God. He has healed me and set me free time and time again in our life. I believe he can do that with you. He can, you can leave here more free and more alive than when you came in. And I want to invite you to trust him. So if you're able, I want to invite you to join me on your knees right now. Now listen, if you have some knee problems, health issues, you're concerned if you get down there, you might not get back up. That's all right. You can simply lean forward, open your hands and make that your posture of surrender. But I'm gonna join you now. And I'm gonna walk us through that process together. So number one, as we're talking, I just want this conversation to be our prayer. I want you to, in your mind, name what happened. Who did it? Who is it that you need to forgive? And what do you need them to forgive them for? Go ahead and ask God for the courage or the strength to do this if it feels so painful. Right now, just name what happened and who did it. Secondly, I want you to just simply determine what you were owed. Be as specific as you can. What was taken from you? What did they cost you? Colossians 2 says these words, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That being said, I wanna invite you right now to decide to cancel the debt. You can ask for God's help with that if you need to. Finally, let me read Romans 12, 19 again. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Right now, I wanna invite you to trust it all to God's justice. If you wanna visualize literally leaving the pain at Jesus' feet, Feel free to do that now. Tell him you trust him to repay. Tell him you trust him with this pain. Let me pray for us. God and Father on our knees, we're saying we need you. God, I pray that you would be meeting even right now with each of us individually, setting us free and making us more alive. Pray that you would help each of us forgive.
forgive and let go, that you would fill our hearts with your freedom and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.